welcome to Marketing Without the Marketing. I'm your host, Michael Bosey, and very glad that you can join me today. Now, I'm in the middle of this series about repurposing content, really because it's one of the most important facets of any content strategy, and that's because it makes you really efficient to get multiple uses out of one piece of content. You really have to do this if you want to make yourself efficient with it. Otherwise, it's just way, way too much work. Work can feel that way. Now, in the first episode in this series, uh, this was called Repurposing Content as a Part of Any Content Strategy. I left a link for you in the show notes. I talked about the three different ways to repurpose content. So that was by format, by context, or by extent. And last week's episode was repurposing content across formats. Again, I put a link for you in the show notes if you want to catch up. And in that episode, I talked about converting blog posts to email newsletters or converting podcast episodes or, uh, you know, videos that you do to blog posts as well. And that episode really focused on the content of the post. And that's because the format is really important, right? But today I want to focus on the audience and that's where context comes in context is really important. So let's look at how to repurpose content across contexts. There are different ways to do this. And as in the last segment, I want to get into some overall strategies and use a couple of real world examples to illustrate it. Now, repurposing content across contexts is simply just taking one piece of content and reworking it so that it fits in to another context. So immediately, right, this makes you think, uh, look, different context, that means it's a different audience. It's for a different segment, sub-segment of your audience. It's for someone else. You've got to work with the context so that it fits, right? You don't want to hit the wrong note. And we do this because, look, each audience or each audience segment cares about different things. You don't want to just say the same thing to different people in sort of this very generic language, right? Remember, our goal here is to try to form connections. That's why we are using a content strategy. So, you know, the more generic your language, the less likely that connection is to happen, right? So you want to try to avoid that. And here's the thing. This is going to become a requirement in any marketing that you do if it's not already a requirement. Marketing is getting highly personalized. And I don't just mean in the headers such as dear first name and then the message. And given that this has gotten a lot more sophisticated over the years, if you're the one who's not doing this, it now has the potential to hit a wrong note. And think about it. Who wants to be spoken to in the form of this general announcement, right? For instance, you don't want to be telling longtime customers the basics of your business. They already know that, and it's a waste of their time if you insist on continuing to tell them. And what will happen in that case? If you do that, they'll click away. They'll delete your message. They'll unfollow you. And you know what? You'll deserve that. So you'll want to ask yourself, what's different about the audience, or if it's the same audience that you're talking to, what's different about each segment or subsegment? So let's look at a couple of examples just to see how to put this into practice, right? How to reuse content across these different contexts. The first one I'd like to look at is the difference between a sales presentation and a pitch deck, right? So a sales presentation, without a doubt, is for your customers. 
right? The whole goal here is to convert a prospective customer into a customer or to upgrade or upsell a current customer. But a pitch deck is for investors. Your goal is to get money as an investment in your business. Now, both of these audiences, they care about different things, but there are things that are common to both audiences. Your mission is the same, your value proposition is the same, but it will mean different things to each audience. But for startups, let's look at a case example, right? You might start with your pitch deck presentation of your business. So in my experience, that can serve as the basis for some of your first sales presentations, right? You're usually going to start with your pitch deck because, you know, you're trying to get money up front. If that's, you know, if that's what you're doing in your business, you need to get investment to get this up off the ground. You need a pitch deck. And most founders of small companies and startups, they're going to spend a lot of time honing this, getting the message right, getting the pitch deck to be perfect so that you can really just make the most compelling, concise presentation of your business to investors. That makes sense, right? But if you can take that pitch deck, and even if you can take some portion of that, and you're able to use 20%, 30%, or even 50% of that pitch deck for a customer presentation or as a video, you're ahead of the game. Even if it has to be completely refactored, Just imagine that you can use the images, the graphs, the screenshots. Even that alone can be a huge help. You don't have to create them again. And if you're really clever, you can start out creating these graphics with the intent to use them for both audiences, right? So that when you create them, you know that you're going to use them in your pitch deck or your sales presentations. That's smart content strategy. Let's look at another. Let's look at the difference between letters to customers versus letters to shareholders or investors. Now, letters to customers, obviously, these are really important to a small business or a startup, especially early stage. You know, you really want to make those early adopters feel like they're a part of your business. And, you know, in the startups that I've been involved in, this was a really important thing that we did. You know, monthly, we just send out updates on the business and it just made people feel like, you know, they were first to know, they were sort of seen behind the curtain, they were in on this thing. And that's really good to to sort of, you know, cement those early relationships like that. And your letters to shareholders or investors, I mean, these are going to function as a progress report more than anything. Now, you're going to be sharing similar information. Same progress, same results, but again, each audience cares about different things, right? So your early adopters, these are the guys who are really going to be rooting for you, and they're going to want to hear about, let's say, updates to your platform, uh, new product offerings, or upcoming dates for new new features or new releases. Now, of course, your shareholders and your investors, they're going to want to hear some of the same things. But you got to speak to them a little differently about that. They want to hear that the business is thriving, get a sense as to whether or not their investment is going to pay off or not. Or, hey, especially if it's investors, does the business need some outside help? Can we get you an advisor in place uh, to help you with a, a particular need? These are the things they're going to be looking for. But you can see that because each audience is different, you're going to want to have 